Well, no, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, you you just, it's just. <laughs> Did you see Mike Tyson beat up a dude on the plane? Nope. What? Yeah, yeah. So apparently, some dude was like harassing Mike Tyson on the plane. That's dumb. <laughs> we know where this ends, right? We know where this ends. I mean, like, do I, I don't, I don't even need to tell you or the listeners the rest of the story. I mean, were they playing the Hangover on the plane? I mean, like. I mean, you know, there, there's there's lots of clips as to why that's a bad idea. There's a great video of um, Dana White on his jet, Dana White's jet or the UFC's jet that you know Dana White runs, and Mike walks up and like gets onto him, like, "Hey, that's my seat." Dana White gets up, moves, and Mike was just jacking with him. <laughs> but again, the dynamics were private jet. Dana owns or his company owns. Mike says, "Move." What does the man do? He, he moves because he did not want a death wish. So, um, but that's not the content that people came here to see, Ben. They came here to hear us talk business. Um, and you were so kind to send detailed show notes today that we have a lot to get to. So are you prepared? Have we pivoted back to it's now my job again? Like you, you had like taken the mantle and given me shit for like better part of a year, how like you always send show prep and like you're on top of it and every week I get it. And then this is actually the first, I think this is the first show in a long time where you've thrown shade at me for not doing it. You thoroughly beat it out of me. And we, we are, listen, Ryan, like I know that this podcast is called bring in the closers. We should probably just rebrand it and call it grip it and rip it. Cause that's really what's happening here. Well, um, I mean, we can, was I supposed to prep I have show? show prep like for every episode. Right. And so why is it all of a sudden this episode is supposed to be my fault or my problem or my job? What, what well, I, happened? I, I said that you sent it. My question. I said that you sent it and you, you let people know Did that I? you didn't send it. So, you know, whatever. You let the facts, whatever. Um, so I want to talk to you today, Ben. Let's talk today about the worst business advice you've ever been given. Not from me, because that's a long list. That's a long, <laughs> it's a long list. A long list. Like we don't have yeah. enough time. Nope. Nope. This we, is general should, though. Our podcast for, for whatever it's worth, our podcast today should have been the 30 minute conversation that we had earlier today. Cause it's like very that. apropos. Mm. No, I don't I don't either. I made that conversation up in my brain. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so the worst advice, worst business advice I've ever been given. I, I'll start. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so when Drew and I started our little, company. And I've heard this in other cases as well, but this was just a recent example. People told us to make sure we charged premium rates like the established companies did. And I remember thinking, why well, don't I have the premium equipment? Um, we're new. We don't have the same level of insurance. Um, why would I try to break into a market that I have, you know, I mean, it's, listen, it's junk removal, pressure washing. It's, it's not that hard, but Still, why would I try to break into an industry that I have no substance? Substance, help me out. Thank you. Big word. I don't have that big word experience and try to charge as if I'm a 15 year vet. That seems to be a, a tad bit aggressive. And I think that you see that kind of nonsense online, whether it's uh, junk removal or sales. I'll see this with salespeople. Oh, charge a premium. It's like, bro, you can't close grandma at an estate sale for a nickel. You can't charge a premium. Come on now. And so that's, I think, up there with some of the worst advice I've ever been given. But now I'll, I'll let it go to you or, or respond to that. I don't know if this is explicitly advice I've been given, 
But one of the things that I think about consistently is if you look up, and we talk about this sometimes on the podcast, but if you look up to you know, anything from the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's of the world, all the way down to the people on, you know, real estate Twitter and on LinkedIn, like, you know, the DRWs of the world and the people that have made it, the people, um, it's, it's nothing against DRW. I, I love you, man. Uh, it's not you. It's, 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 it's the business. Um, he's actually, he's, he's now completely on the other side, but um, you got me off track with the, with the look there. I just realized actually, this podcast is just audio. People don't see the video. I shouldn't have reacted right. to That's that. Right. Oh, well, you caught me. Anyways, um, I think one of the things that, that I, I find that has become more and more prevalent is that the people that are in positions of power, positions of wealth, positions of influence, by and large, take on this mentality of anyone can achieve the American dream. Anyone can do anything they possibly want to. Anybody can... You know, there's just this inherent positivity and optimism that is ever present at all times. And, and the reason I think it's the reason I think it's top of mind for me right now is that in the like right now in April 2022, we are sitting, excuse me, you and I agree that we are sitting on the precipice of a potential economic disaster. We've talked about, you know, that, that we're potentially the markets may look, it may make 2008 to 2010 look like a cakewalk and a joke. Um, and I still firmly believe that, but you have people that are in positions of power, influence, wealth, et cetera, that are just parroting this, oh, well, the American dream is if we're just going to make it through, we, we can get there. And, and you know, um, housing prices are going to continue to rally. And, and the, you know, the people that are saying those things, if the market tanks, They've got insurance behind them that you know they're, they're going to be able to mitigate losses. You know they've got they've got back. You know they've got a lot of cushion that, that protects their downside. And the reason I, I'm couching it this way, the reason I think this is so important to what you're talking about and the question you asked is because if you don't have those things, if you're not that person that has that that cushion, if you're taking this advice and you like if you're on real estate Twitter and you're and you've got a little bit of cash uh, you know, on hand and you see someone you know talking ad nauseum about you know, let's just talk about like the real estate home market, you know, and that, you know, that's where you decide to, to buy into, but you buy into the wrong market or you don't have the right, again, you don't have the right leverage points. The, the What works for someone else will not work for you. It might, but it very well may not. And so I think the best business advice I've, or sorry, the worst business advice I, um, I have ever been given is, you know, follow what the person that's doing what you want to do is doing, you know, emulate that. Because I think that that sort of mentality of, oh, I'm just going to adopt what that person is doing, you know, and staple it into my SOP. A lot of times, if you don't, again, if you don't have that clout or the cachet or, or insert word here that that other person has, the same model is not going to work for your business. And so I think sort of looking at the social media and these sort of, you know, influence, I can say celebrities, that's not right. These influencers in these spaces, I think you really have to understand that the reason that those people have the platforms that they do is because they've either been wildly successful before. And, and, and you know, so if, if you're listening to like a real estate guy and he's talking about like how great the eighties was, okay, okay, that's not, that's not today. And the other side of that is that, you know, they're, they're either, they've already made it or they're selling you a service. They're selling you a product. They're selling something. And to, to not understand that dynamic and sort of just take their advice at face value and try to implement, I think you can wake up in a really, really disastrous area. Um, and I know that's kind of long-winded, but, but I think there's maybe some nuggets out there that you can pick from. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, let's just pick on Gary Vee. No, nothing against Gary. Just, um, just, just to use a name. 
are you saying that his online persona or what his business is at Vayner Media? Online persona. Yeah, no, if you're, yeah. if you're trying to copy and paste like what VaynerMedia is doing, um, if you can figure out a way to like, so let's say you're starting a marketing agency and you've got a budget of $3,500 a month for marketing and you're trying to grow the thing. If you want to try to emulate some of the micro strategies that VaynerMedia is doing to get yourself in that lane, that's awesome. That's fantastic. But that's not what I'm talking about because that's not taking that's not taking advice apples to apples, right? That's that's you're taking it and you're kind of iterating it to your business. But if you're listening to like Grant Cardone talk about, oh, like why you know why would you you know, why wouldn't you just go buy a fifty million dollar jet because you can do all these tax incentives and you like you're not actually paying for it. Like someone might listen to that and be like, oh, I'm going to go like try to lever up, you know, 900%. And then, you know, they, you know, whatever, I mean, like take a second mortgage out on the house and like whatever and it ends poorly. And now that person has, again, no cushion, no backbone, because, uh, no, no cushion, no, uh, uh, no, nothing to fall back on. And the reason I think that's so important is because as an example, and like, you know, that example, because Grant Cardone talks about it a lot. He went out at the, at the end of 2020 and he bought a, 50, a $53 million jet because in his business, it was a write-off. And so he didn't actually pay any, anything on the jet. Um, but it, you know, you can, you can talk about those things, but that's only because he's got, and I don't know what his net worth is, but he's got enough of a cushion that if like, if he had to pay the taxes on the jet, no problem. If he, need, if he needs to sell the jet, no problem, like whatever. It, it, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, and so I think the, the, going back to your question, the worst, you know, the, the worst advice is listening to somebody that's not in the same situation that you are in and taking their advice apples to apples and trying to implement just that strategy because nine times out of 10, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think this goes back on some level to a conversation about kind of the, the business coach stuff uh, mentality, which is, if you want to coach just to check your inputs and outputs, that's fine. Um, what you shouldn't get is someone who has a cookie cutter system that has no flexibility. And that's kind of what the advice that Gary Vee and Cardone and these guys or anyone who's talking you know, is, is very much a kind of general best practices or general concepts. Um, but to your point, it doesn't necessarily mean it works in your situation or it's good for you. Um, and I think kind of, you know, like on LinkedIn recently, I've been kind of watching um, um, some of, and on Twitter too, just kind of some of the ethos of what's out there. And it's funny to see, um, and this is what those guys are great at. It's funny to see just how many people are really desperate to be a part of something. Uh, they want to follow something and they want to kind of be led by someone. And this isn't Ryan giving himself an attaboy. That just doesn't appeal to me. Now, I have a wife. I have four kids. I got friends. I got a church. I got a whole thing. And maybe that's just I'm in a different spot in life. These people or these people um, just are more outgoing than me. Or I'm not trying to make cast a judgment one way or another. I, I have no idea. I don't know them. I'm just saying that that's just, that doesn't that, that just doesn't appeal to me as much. So it's harder for me to kind of engage in that cycle on a base. Like I have to. Um, we got. Yes. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so let me, let me uh, take that thought train. I didn't mean to cut you off. If you had more there, I'm good. Um, but, but I think that's a really important point. So, and I had something to say there, but go ahead. Um, so I think that the, another way to say, it's not exactly what you're saying, but I think one of the other things that I was thinking about, um, you know, when you asked the question originally was, and maybe, maybe it's even better than my first answer, 
But the advice of stick to the plan or, you know, make a roadmap and stick, stick to it, you know, that may have worked back in the day because, you know, it was just sort of cookie cutter. And you, if you do, if you check these boxes, you'll eventually get to success. These days, I think we live in a, in a very, very, very different environment where, you know, um, so as an example, let's say that you are a copywriter for marketing company or for marketing agency, right? You know, what, what was working for copywriting eight months ago may not work anymore. What was working two years ago certainly isn't working anymore. And so the stick to the plan, it, you know, obviously that's very minutia in terms of the content driven, but you, the stick to the plan of you know, make a roadmap and just continue to work that in, in, until you get there. I think that there's a lot of business owners that, that create a roadmap and, and you know, it's Q1 this year, I'm doing this, Q2 this, Q3 this, or week by week. And if you don't have the ability to sort of zoom out and look at, hey, is the plan actually working? Again, you can kind of get down the rabbit hole and you wake up and you're like, you know, you tried to get here and you're way over there. Uh, and so I think, you know, I think, you know, being able to, or I'm sorry, I think the advice of, you know, stick to the plan or just continue to, you know, work it day in, day out and, and just continue to put in the effort. And I'll, maybe that's the other thing, like, you know, I'll just continue to do the work and, and you'll eventually get there. It'll eventually, you turn it into success. I think that sort of can create some blinders in, in a lot of detrimental ways. Okay, so that kind of will dovetail some into what I was going to go to, which is, um, you know, it is effort, like this content is easy to put out, it's me and you talking, but to get on there and to engage on the comments on LinkedIn and to try to put out something thoughtful and stuff like that, like, I'll, I'll, you know, that that's that's a lot of work for me. That's not, that's not easy. And I'm not saying I'm putting out anything of value. It's just like, it's like okay, I want to stop and comment on this. Well, I guess I need to, because this is the right person to, to comment, to get exposure. Um, well, I, I'm doing that not because it's, it's enjoyable, but it's because it's what others have taught me to do. Um, and to your point about sticking to the plan, this is where I think so many agencies and, and, and companies, let's look right now, if you're a company who has a sales agency and y'all are not hitting your numbers, it's probably because you're doing what Ben just said, right? One of the things that I learned very early on as a vendor for large oil and gas companies was you could see which companies did it well and which companies did it poorly. And you could help the companies do it poorly if they want to listen to do it better because you got best practices from somewhere else, right? So you could go to company A and they would have this system or whatever. It's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Company B struggling. You could walk in there and say, hey, you should try this. And, you know, they're receptive. Now you're the hero and they've done better. But you only got that because not, you, not that you're a genius. You just listened in the other room. And, and so when you look, like I see, I put this out the other day about um, companies hiring sales agent with, with a college degree. It's like, well, what, what a college degree to sell? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I know so Ben has a degree. I don't, uh, I'm not saying that I, I'm the best salesman in the world, but I don't think Ben's college degree is separating his skill from mine. Um, who, whichever one of us might be the better of the two, the college degree isn't the di differentiating factor there. Um, and, and so that, that's one thing Two, sticking to the plan. Um, you know, Working for as a owning kind of an advisory company now that I have different clients that have different needs um, and, you know, and doing lead generation and prospecting for them. Um, some of them have ideas on what they've done and what's worked and what's not. Some of them don't, they're new. Um, so you kind of collect all these best practices. And so when I, I see companies out there like, hey, what we want, and I don't know if we talk about this on the show or not, but what we want is we want Bob or Sally to come in here to be the account executive um, and they're going to do, and, and listen, I'm guilty of running this historically. This is how I used to do it as well. Um, they're going to do the prospecting. 
They're going to do the CRM database management. They're going to go on the meetings. They're going to go to the networking. They're going to close. Um, what you find out quite quickly is that those are multiple jobs. Now, some companies have it set up like that, but a lot of companies don't. And you're asking one person to have a skill set of you know three or four, maybe five different people, depending on how big the sales cycle is. Um, and, and so um, one of the things we've been talking to people about is, is you know, when we come on, you kind of get a team, right? It's not just me. You get other people that come on with you. Uh, and that's because, you know, um, people that help me don't want to do client facing stuff. They don't want to be on the phone, uh, but they can do the emails. They can um, set up the CRMs. You know, they can do kind of the, the, the administrative work, if you will. Um, and, and so, but that, that for me, it took a shift of, I used to do it this way. Now I've learned from other people. I do it that way. And I think a lot of organizations um, because they are, they have their system and they go out to Gary V, right? So they go out to Gary V for information. And again, we're all good to this. Uh, Gary V says, try this. So you try that. It's like, that's great. Well, what if then you said, okay, you know, we have, you know, a five person sales team, we're paying them 70,000 a year. Um, so what's that? $350,000 devoted to sales, right? So you cut two of those positions and then you brought in two fractional sales teams, that we're going to do it. And they are actually teams of people. So instead of getting two people for that job, you got teams of, you know, two, three or four people that could do cold email marketing, you know, all, all the stuff. You're going to get probably a better result, A, if you, get a good, if you get a good group. But B, they're also going to critique your practices because they know things that will work that you currently aren't deploying. And so I think that's part. And so I think this kind of this fractional mentality is, I don't, I don't, I don't want to overstate it. So that's where we're going exclusively. But I think that's going to be a bigger push in the future because you can align the fractional employee, their incentives with your incentives better, right? Um, and you can scale them at a higher pace because you're not paying them necessarily a base salary. You can come off that sum and pay a high commission. Um, so I think that's where things are going. And when you do that, to your point about doing it the way that you did, that will go away because you have teams that are actually competing against each other, you know, groups with best practices that they've learned coming in. I think that's really where we're heading and that will kind of alleviate some of the problems that you, you touched on. And I know I stopped right in the middle of you chugging down a 700 gallon bottle of water. Sorry. Gotta stay hydrated then. Yeah, no, it's I, absolutely. Um, I was going to pivot us back onto the original question because that seemed to be taking us on a tangent. But I mean, in regards to uh, in regards to that, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the well, but but part of the bad advice is is doing like you're saying, is keep doing what you're doing. And um, you know, there's a book I've got around here somewhere called uh, Spin Selling, and I've had it for a while, and I kind of read a little bit of it, and I, I'd forgotten it. And I and I, I was going through it again a few months ago, and I remembered reading it and go, God, I wish I'd have paid more attention. This is the first time I read it because so many of my problems at one point with hiring were because I didn't really focus in on what the book was saying. Like some of the things this book was talking about was very much directed at the type of people I was bringing in for types of roles that they were trying to fulfill and how I wasn't training them to go from A to B or they didn't have the necessary skill set. Uh, that's part of it. And the other part is, is now kind of going through the process of the demand for these account executives I had was probably too high. I was probably expecting far more from them than I should have. And I probably should have had a more of a, a team mentality. And so those are things that, that, that this is that I've learned over the past you know, year or so. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't love that book. I, re- I read it as well. For those that, that are listening that want to uh, learn a little bit more, uh, spin selling, um, the, the spin is situation, problem, implication, and need, I think. Um, and, and it's sort of just a, it's a customer centric way to walk through sales. It's sort of, you know, it's a dovetail, I think, or it's a different maybe take on, on some of the stuff that we've talked about in the last uh, few episodes. Um, you know, some of our conversation, go ahead. Real quick, let me tell you why I like it and why it's important. If, 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 is that you, one of the things that I didn't think through um, was that not, that someone sells low ticket items can sell high ticket items, right? I just kind of, because I've never really struggled to sell whatever it is I'm selling. Um, I just assume that everyone that could sell can sell at scale, uh, whatever it is. And I, I still think that's true on some level or most people that, that can sell. I think that you had to rewire the brain probably a lot more than I was thinking. Um, and maybe some people can, I don't know. But um, but for me, that that's the big thing is that the perceived value getting to that and, and having a sales team that understands that for high ticket sales. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you hit it right there on, on the head. I, th- I think the reason that I struggle with this, and may, maybe this is going to come off the wrong way. That wouldn't be the first time that's happened on this podcast, but uh, and won't be the last time, by the way. Um, but I think that the problem that I have with that sort of structure and that sort of yeah, that, that roadmap to sales is that that requires, and it's not just like, a oh, hey, it would be cool to have. That requires that the salesperson have some superior active listening skills to be able to listen to what the customer is saying and actually come up with a, with a package that, that suits those needs. And, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of salespeople are focused and, and, and trained to, if customer A you know, is in this business, they need X or that, you know, that, that you, you need to sell them X or, or Y. And I think that, um, you know, the ability sometimes for the salesperson, I think that you and I sometimes zoom out too far in the sense that like, if I want to pitch something like any way I want to, I can, right. Cause like if, if it's, if it's pitched terribly, it's on me, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm working for a client. I'm the one that's going to get fired. It's on me, right? Like same for yourself. You know, uh, if if you're making an, an operational decision on how you want to market something, that's a you thing. But if you, uh, you know, for people that may be listening that are, you know, for, for lack of better terminology, a cog in the wheel of a much bigger engine, and they're a salesperson at like at a firm or at a you know that's a staff, they're probably trained in a very specific way how to walk through. And, and so the reason I you know I'm talking about this in that way is that if the company culture changes and adopts you know the spin mentality. And that's how they're coached. Totally different conversation. But it, but if if you're a salesperson and you're trying to adopt these things, it may end up. It could end up in your numbers looking bad because your closing percentage is going to go down, or, or you know maybe not as productive because you're not getting as many calls in, or what have you, right? And so I think it's important to sort of look at the other side and make sure that what Ryan, what you and I are talking about actually makes sense for the per, for the listener. And again, the reason I say it that way is because going back to my first answer. Don't just take advice. Don't don't listen to something that Ryan and I are saying. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Let's let me go do that. You got to make sure that it works for what you're doing in your business where you sit. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So, like, there is a a client the other day I was talking to, or a prospective client rather, um, and I was talking to him about kind of this some of the lead gen stuff I've been doing. And, and after hearing how their sales cycle is, probably not a good fit for them, right? Like um, buying multiple domains, warming them, copy it's probably not really the best, most effective way to do that. Likewise, if you're a roofer, listen to this podcast, it's good to have you. Probably don't need to be doing multiple domains, 
email marketing blast, right? You probably just need to tweak your Google My Business page and get it ranked a little higher, <laughs> you know, so and run some LSA ads. Um, so, 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 go ahead. So let, let, let's talk about that for a second. And this is going to be a complete tangent. And so um, you know, maybe, maybe this will take the rest of the podcast, but no, I think that that's really important. So one of the things, and I, I won't throw anybody under the bus, either, you know, being on this podcast or not. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important to understand is, what are you trying to accomplish in the business that you're in? Okay, so let me park the example that I just gave aside. So you're no longer a cog in the wheel. Ryan, to your point, you're a roofer. Okay, let's use a roofer. I think that's a great example. You know, if you are a roofer, and that's what you do, if you want to make the phone calls and you want to get the work and you want to go do the work, that's awesome. But you can only, you're only one person. Maybe you have two other two or three other workers. And so you can only do one job at a time, right? Maybe that pays the bills. Maybe that's a great business. Maybe that's good enough. Mm-hmm. But, but to your point, if you zoom out and you realize, you know what, this work can be duplicated. This work doesn't need to be done by me. I don't need to be doing, I don't need to be standing on the roof to do these things. What if you looked at opening up, you know, a franchise model and now, and now you or 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 hiring, you know, a number of virtual assistants to make phone calls and, and you know, on the jobs that you're landing, you're hiring day rate work or, or you, you can duplicate yourself much more easily, much more easily in those sort of silos. Whereas if you are talking about, explicit like SaaS lead gen for a business, that's a whole different ballgame, right? Because, you know, that's, it takes some knowledge of the product and you've got to sell and, and you got to be able to talk to people. And, and there's, there's a lot more there, but if you're talking about sort of a brick and mortar or blue collar type of work, if that's the, the uh, you know, what you're in pressure washing, lawn mowing, like whatever, whatever it is, I think that the ability to break out of the mental constraints that you may have of, Oh, I can only be in, Midland, Texas. Oh, I can only service this hundred mile radius, whatever. I'm of the opinion that if, you know, if again, going back to roofing, if you're in roofing, I don't see any reason why you can't have a statewide business. And if you, you know, if you happen to live in Texas, that's massive. Um, and I don't necessarily see that as a pivot in the business. I think that see, I see that as a growth, um, a growth opportunity. And the reason I say it that way is because I think a lot of people think about growth at that scale as, oh my God, there's no way I can do that. I'm going to, lo- I'm going to like, my day-to-day is going to change or I'm going to lose the business, like whatever. Right. And, and, and I think that the, um, I think that there's a lot, let me say it this way. I think there's a lot of people that are making the calls themselves, booking the jobs themselves, doing the jobs themselves, invoicing the client, and then doing everything because they want that control. I think one of the best pieces of advice a lot of people can have, and it's, it didn't work for me, or it wouldn't work for me, I should say. But I think the best piece of advice that some people can can have is go hire people to duplicate your efforts and you don't need to be doing everything. It doesn't need to be all you. You can go have someone else do it and you're making you're making money passively. And that's, I mean, that's really where the wealth really starts to come in. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying about the fractional stuff. Like there's so many people out there that will do fractional sales for you right now that, you know, um, and, and for either... Um, if you want to close them, you can you know, pay per appointment. If you want to um, have them close, you can pay a retainer plus model. There's a lot of ways you can structure it and your incentives become aligned, right? And you can make the incentives aligned month to month contracts, like all this stuff. Instead of bringing on you know, a salesperson for 75K, you can pay them insurance, 401K or whatever the whole deal is. Yeah, um, you, know, you bring them on and say, hey, this is, this is the pay. I mean, think about this, Ben. To use a roofer analogy, um, and I, I consulted with a roofing company earlier this year and when I talked to them, they said that their most effective marketing was their truck wraps. I said, okay, then wrap every truck you got. A, B, do you have family members that you can pay to wrap their trucks? Like, like how far can we put the, 
push this truck wrapping thing. Uh, now you gotta, you gotta have people you trust to drive the trucks. What? So um, I, I want to stop you there because that's a really interesting example. So my first question out of the gate would have been, and you probably you may have asked this. My first question out of the gate would have been, why do you think that? Or you know, tell me more about that because I find a lot of people. So like the person that tell, that said this to you that you know that their most effective marketing is is the rep. Is it actually, or do they just like think it is because they're not actually tracking their numbers and they just like, they randomly last week got a call, but then someone said, Hey, I just saw your truck. And like, that's the reason they said that to you. Cause I find that a lot of people in those positions don't actually understand where their leads are coming from. Yeah. Well, okay. True. Um, they're getting a lot of cold calls. Um, their business doesn't rank high in Google. So there's not a whole lot of ways to get their numbers. So the truck rep probably probably is a, is a good leader. But the, the thing I'd encourage them to do is because they said, um, you know, these few months is really slow time. Um, you know, whatever it was from like November to February, I said, okay, then you should go every yard that you do and put out a yard sign, especially in February, you know, knock off 20, uh, 20 bucks or hundred bucks, or I don't know how the margins work, whatever it was, knock off a percentage. We'll put a yard sign in every yard and then call back your old customers and say, hey, we'll give you $50 if we can put a sign in your, your yard because hail season's coming up and you want to get as many roofs as possible. Um, and so we just talked through this various ways that this kind of, but what they did not need is for me to cold email homeowners. Like that's not an effective strategy. So that, that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's what we're talking about here is that, you know, um, both and you, you and I both agree that we have strategies that we use that we talk about, but that's that's kind of a broad stroke like Gary Vee does. And you can't just take, What's being said said, oh, I'm going to copy this and place it in my business. That that may not work. Um, um, th there might be a different way. Um, what you have to do, and what, what I recommend that people do is, is the more fractional you can make your sales team, the more the more sales teams that you can have that are actually competing for business, um, the better your practices in theory should be. And that's what you, you should be looking for, right? Um, and so now sometimes that might just mean you go acquire your competitor's sales staff, right? That 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 could... <laughs> that's also a way, <laughs> but then you got to deal with no competes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what gets lost is um, just kind of recap the, the worst advice we've been given, charge premium rates, do what you've been doing, keep at it. Um, you know, and then now those are all things that are there. Um, what, what I do recommend is if you can find an exact clone of your company, which is hard, um, you know, if you're a social media company, you're trying to do social media marketing. Most people can't that say they can, like, you know, right. Most, most social, every, everyone's a social, since Gary Vee, everyone's got a social media marketing company. Everyone can run Facebook ads and allegedly and, and build funnels. Um, but if you can copy how to build the funnels, then, then copy that as much as you can. That's not the same as having the personality of Gary Vee, right? Those are two separate things, right? So copying maybe the model is one thing. So with lead generation, you know, what I don't want to do um, is go to someone say, and, and they need email marketing in this case, say, okay, well, I'm going to go and reinvent the wheel on how the best practices of email marketing are. No, 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 no. I want to collaborate with the best in email marketing and draw from their tools to deploy those exact steps and then take it to this particular client or in the construction and the roofing company, take some best practices and apply it to that business, right? So it's about getting the best practices uh, and bring them to your specific you know, business. You're muted and you're not talking. So I was going to say, I hadn't said anything. Um, yeah, no, actually, I think that that brings up an interesting point. I know we're, uh, we're hurtling towards the end here, but uh, I think 
maybe maybe I want to change my answer on the front end because and maybe this is a little bit topical because I was dealing with it this morning with a with a potential client. Um, but I think one of the other pieces of advice that that I that I have definitely been given time and time and time again, and I think it really is. Well, I, I, I won't get I won't launch in first. Um, I think some of the worst advice that you can be given, and certainly the worst advice that you can take, is show the person, you know, show the, the client your value before that, you know, before they pay you. So if like, if they call you like, you know, give them a freebie and like maybe do a little bit of work for them first to prove value, or, you know, uh, maybe you take the first co- you know, conversation and consult and, and you know, do that, you know, uh, w- without compensation or without, you know, contract. I think that by and large, the people that continue to pair it. And, and unfortunately, Gary Vee does this a lot. I think that the um, the people that pair it, the, oh, you know, all the good that you put out in the world will come back to you tenfold. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen, and, and aggressively mm. not at all. And, mm. and, and so if, if you are, <laughs> if you are taking, if you are taking the mentality of I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to do the work and I'm going to prove my value to my network, because I think that the next time that they want to pay me for that work, they're going to call me and cut me a check. I can tell you what you're doing is you're training that client to, um, that you do work for, for free. free. Right. Okay. This let's you, you that's, a, that's a very interesting point. I've got mixed thoughts on that. I think part of what you're saying is true. I'll leave you with. Are this. you cutting this me off? Are you cutting me off? I have here? a call. One thirty. Have a call. Unbelievable. Okay. Unbelievable. I, as soon as this phone rings, I've got to go. Um, <laughs> so I'll say this. The only caveat I would say is that I have given people free advice to the point to where they can no longer execute on the advice that I've given them, and then they've hired me. Right. So I've advised them the Peter principle. Right. I've advised them beyond their ability to do the things that, I, that I'm telling them to do. That makes sense. Oh. Yeah. So are, yeah. are we couching? Are we couching the topic for next week? Is that yeah. yeah. So, but but no, no. That's it. Because I have lost literally millions of dollars with the deals on exactly what you're saying. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, Easily. I didn't call you back. And so, um, yeah. Okay. Real quick. Real, real quick. Oh, 30 seconds. Thirty seconds. Right. Yeah. Real quick. Um. So I had a client that reached out to me in 2016. She had, uh, I think it was 15 SWDs that she needed a, bu- a bucket of work for. At that time, I was doing work for free. And so I did the work. I did everything. I did what she wanted. I did the report. I sent it to her. She wanted some additional stuff. And so I didn't do that stuff, but I did all of that for on spec for free. Uh, she, she never called me for the work. Never, never got back to me uh, about four years ago, uh, or sorry, four years later at the end of 2020, same exact client called me back for the same package of wells that she wanted refresh information on. And she was, she sent me an email. She's like, Hey, can you do this again? And I sent an email, Hey, you know, I, we did this, you know, happy to do it, but I'm going to want a compensation package. And here's what that looks like. And I never heard from her again. Email went unresponded to. And so I know I zoomed through that really quick because you're trying to get me off the phone. Yeah, we got to go. We'll, we'll pick it up next week.